Welcome to Cloudlandia. Mr. Sullivan. <clears throat> Mr. Jackson, how are you this huh? morning? I am good. How are things in Cloudlandia? Good. You arrived well, before me. <laughs> well, I, th I, I think they're, <clears throat> I think they're changing. And mm. I was just thinking of a thought. I think that there's been just a lot of <clears throat> experimentation and playing that's been going on for, you know, probably the <clears throat> since the 90s with with Cloudlandia. And what they did is that they created a lot of uh, capabilities where it created a lot of buzz and it created a lot of, uh, what should I say, distraction. It was sort of mm -hmm. an entertainment. And I think what I'm seeing is some um, trends towards highly productive use of Cloudlandia. And if you think, I mean, one example would be that you have social media, but the most useful social media that, from my perspective, has been Zoom. Yes. And the reason is because I don't think it's used just to chat with people for the most part. I think it's used to create projects and, yeah. and create, te create teamwork. And it took a while for the technology to be so good that you would have, you know, really clear, you know, crystal clear vision, great sound. And then, you know, the ability to record what you were doing right there. Yeah. You can actually do production mm -hmm. work with it. So that would be an example. And I think the other thing is, I think that there's massive amount of work going on right now in reconfiguring the, you know, the getting products where they need to get to, you know, and, and supply chains, you know, supply chains and not just, not just improving the supply chains that already exist, but actually recon, reconfiguring them because the manufacturing of so many things is moving from Southeast Asia back to North America. That's true. Yeah. So it's just a thought that actually people, and you know, your, you know, your person, Mr. Beast, that you've been yeah. following now for two years. I mean, he's produced basically a hundred million dollars, you know, a hundred million dollars of personal yeah. profit from using it for business purposes. Yes. And that, yeah. you know, so, opening up with the assist of the, of virtual dining concepts, you know, that, yeah as a model now is a standard thing. And this now creates, is, as a tool, it's available for, you know, I was, I was thinking about your, your idea of the, and you'll forgive me if I get this right, but there, the ideas and then the programs and platforms. Shortcuts, that, shortcuts. Shortcuts. <clears throat> shortcuts yeah. programs and platform, yeah. Yeah. And so you look at the idea that behind that, behind what Mr. Beast is doing, came from an idea that the, you know, the gentleman who started virtual dining concepts, his idea that all these restaurants have excess capacity. And if you just take a step up, they've all got the same equipment in the kitchens, meaning they've all got the same capabilities with the, I really found that to be an aha when I went to their website 
and it showed owner how to turn your assets, how to you know maximize your assets, and it looked at the different when it had just the illustrations of the equipment that are standard in any kitchen, meaning a freezer and a deep fryer and a surface fryer and a pizza oven and, you know, regular oven, all these things that if you've got those capabilities that Mm -hmm. allowing other people tap into them, it kind of reminded me of the, what Peter Diamanda shared with us about that, electronics marketplace in China where mm. you basically go and in, under one roof <coughs> combine all the components that you need to make basically any electronic uh, any electronics thing well i think that we're at a point where these platforms i guess is what you would call now would you say that virtual dining concepts has moved into a platform Model oh, yeah. Where, totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. I think the moment that you get, I mean, you could say that Mr. Beesberger is a program on the platform. Yes. Okay. And so, so that's how. they have other people who are, you know, who are, you know, expanding their own assets by using the platform. Uh-huh. So the platform, you know, you can constantly experiment with different offerings. And uh, at the same time, you're increasing the platform. And I think it's the model that has really developed since the 1970s with the growth of new kinds of tech companies, you know, and you could look at, you know, they're not new anymore, but Microsoft and Apple and Oracle. What you look at is that they have a platform and then they have various product offerings. Apple has a single platform. Mm-hmm. It comes in the form of laptop computers. It comes in the form of uh-huh. your <clears throat> Apple Watch. It comes in the form of iTunes, you know, the Apple Store and everything. But iOS, you know, what they call iOS is the platform, you know, the App Store. You know, you can put in an app, but you got to yeah. build it so that, so that it's compatible with iOS. And uh, so my feeling is the entire economy is moving in this direction. And I'll give you a piece of information which kind of really opened my eyes. We were talking to Steve Klein and I had a podcast with Keegan Caldwell. And Keegan is, you know, a he's had the fastest growing IP firm in the United States over the last each of the last three years. His company has grown at a faster rate than any other intellectual property firm. And I'm sure there's a lot of them out there because we're in a, you know, IP is a very important business component. But what he said is when he looks at the fastest growing companies, 80% of their valuation is based on intangibles. Like IP. uh, Well, yeah, well, IP, but, you know, that you have a new patent, you have copyrights, you have trademarks, and this all relates to ideas. Basically, it's the packaging of ideas and getting protection of your ideas. And Mm then the platforms that grow the fastest are the ones that make it the easiest for new ideas in lots of different forms to get out to the marketplace and to become profitable very quickly. 
That's great. Yeah, it's such. Yeah, a, I mean. So I think that going back to Mr. Beast when they he did the Beast Burger, the moment he hit that button, you know, I think it was on a Sunday, and he had like I forget the exact number. It was three hundred signups. Three hundred forty-two restaurants on the same day. Yeah, launch on day one with over three hundred restaurants. Yeah, uh, at the mm-hmm. same second, actually, at the same second. And, well, he was profitable already before that yeah. because he's got, no, he's got no stuff. I mean, he's got some videos. And, you know, he's got manuals and videos. And, it's uh, really amazing. But he, he has no tangible. I mean, he has no uh-huh. tangibles. As uh, I mean, if you think about the restaurant, they have their kitchen, and that's a tangible. You know, they have right. this piece of equipment, that piece of equipment. And these are all tangibles. But what he's doing is multiplying immensely the value of their tangibles with intangible with intangibles. You know what they have? Yeah, because I have a client who signed up as a, a, a Mr. Beast, you know, provider uh, in their kitchen. And what they actually have, there's they send a list of there's 23 SKUs that you need to stock to be to you know, be able to prepare the menu and they show, you know, all from the same suppliers that you're already using. There's only a couple of big restaurant supply, you know, infrastructure kind of thing. So you've got, you know, this lettuce and these buns and this French fries and, you know, all of the, this, these burgers and that whole thing along with videos that are, very, they're like shot on an iPhone, just very simple. You know, here's how to prepare mm-hmm. the beast burger. And they're just mm-hmm. walking through the preparation of it. And this is, you know, the from beginning to end, here's how it goes. This is the mm-hmm. timing of everything, the syntax, the sequence of when to do it. This is how you package it and then off to go. And they go through those for every menu item how to Mm -hmm. uh, prepare and package them. Mm -hmm. That's it. Your compliance test is to uh, prepare them and send pictures of the completed item. So they can show, Mm -hmm. you you show along the way, this is, here's the burger, here's the packaging, here's the thing, and you get approval like that, and you're off to the races. They set you up with the tablet that is, you know, just for this. And all you do, the only thing you do is when the tablet, you know, rings, <laughs> here's the the ticket, prepare it, put it mm-hmm. in the spot where the delivery guy will pick it up. So it's almost like those, there's a special kind of, I think, engineering that is a new skill of combining platforms and capabilities to create a unique capability like because the thing of combining this concept of excess capacity in your kitchen to prepare somebody else's vision somebody else's mr beast uh, menu layered then on top of the existing Uber Eats, DoorDash, Grubhub mm. delivery app platform 
really what makes that work layered on top of powered by Mr. Beast's use of the YouTube platform for real. You start to see all of these, you know, the interchange between layering all of these different platforms. Amazing. Yeah, I take the, but here again, we're, you know, we're 30 years into the internet. And and it's taking 30 years for there to be, yeah. I mean, it's been used for advertising, you know, but that was just a shift of medium for advertising. You were just shifting, you know, you were just shifting. It wasn't on paper. Mm-hmm. Was, you were just shifting it to a, a new communication system, essentially. And uh, <clears throat> I was noticing that, the, what's her name, the Sandberg, who was the number two at Facebook, is leaving uh-huh. Facebook. And, and, you know, and a lot of people talk about Mark Zuckerberg, but Facebook wasn't making any money before Sheryl Sandberg came on board Mm -hmm. because she had created the advertising model for Google and then she, or had worked on it. And then she moved to Facebook to actually create an advertising model for Facebook. And the valuations, the valuation for Facebook and for Twitter and all the social media are based on an advertising model. How do you measure people paying attention to you? And then you sell that, you know, you sell that to advertisers. You know, Mm -hmm. we'll get these many viewers for you. But the interesting thing about it is that Mr. Beast Tell me his name again. Jimmy Donaldson. Jimmy. I remember Jimmy Donaldson had already developed, you know, 60, 70 million viewers just through his own creativity. And and this is what he had. He had this amazing asset. And to a certain extent, he's multiplying his asset by applying it to, you know, to for one thing, his favorite menu, his his favorite menu. And then he's creating this menu. His favorite menu can be featured at your restaurant because he can bring you the immediate buyers for the food that you're offering. You know, the one thing, I just finished a book called The Cloud Revolution Mm -hmm. by Mark, Mark Miles. Terrific book. I mean, really dense. A lot of factoids and but his essential thing is that you get fundamental breakthroughs when you combine three different technologies you know and he was talking about automobiles it really was the combination of the internal combustion engine on wheels which made the car with the revolution in the refining of gasoline and distribution of gasoline and the new technologies involved in road making. And they all happen near the end of the teens, you know, the 19 teens. Mm-hmm. And and then in the 20, 1920s, it just went through the roof. It had, mm-hmm. I mean, automobiles had been around in one form or another for 30 years before they really took off. So the internet's been around for 30 years. And mm-hmm. I mean, people say, well, it's changed everything. But kind of just, I take it that they were kind of taking, you know, it's the same transitions as 
taking radio shows to making them into television shows. You know, if you look at mm-hmm. what's happened over the last 30 years, oh. this seems brand new. This seems brand new. You know, the what you're talking about here, this seems like a major new business innovation. Mm-hmm. Well, that's I think that's because we're realizing these real, you know, the big five gathering places of everybody. I mean, that you can dependably, you know, reach everybody through their, you know, either their Apple device or their Android device. That's really the primary platform of everything is people having access to, you know, mobily. And when you think about that, how many of these devices there are right now, which is literally meaning every single individual is, you know, addressable. One to one, you could reach out to to anybody with another one of these devices. But the gathering places of them, when you look at Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and even Google, you know, people navigating or finding their way around these things, that whole, there's really only, you know, that's where all the hot spots are, right? Like those are the conduits kind of thing through which everybody's fitting. And <laughs> so getting you know, the tremendous reach that you can develop that way, like what Mr. Beast has done, 94 million subscribers right now, you mm-hmm. know, and I don't know whether I told you, he just launched a chocolate company as well. Yeah. Where they yeah. make chocolate bars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they partnered with a company in Brazil or Peru, somewhere that makes the, the chocolate, but you know, what an amazing, you know, story <laughs> just seeing all of that playing out, you know? Yeah, I'd probably have it on a subscription basis. Yes, I bet you can. We're yeah, a certain amount of chocolate. I mean, we, yeah, there's a chocolate maker in Toronto right on King Street, King of Spadina, Soma. And uh, Babs is uh, huge. And I think she's yeah. probably got it on subscription every 30 days they they send her 30 bars. <laughs> is that who makes and, the uh, big... The, all the dark chocolate that she always yeah yeah has. it's yeah. the only hundred percent chocolate that I've ever eaten that oh wow doesn't, that doesn't taste like dirt you know right exactly uh, that's what I was no saying. it's actually it's actually got a real flavor to it I mean it's yeah. an acquired taste but you know it's cocoa beans and yeah not much else and yeah. uh, and so she loves it she loves it and they love her they send her mm-hmm. little notes and. Everything oh, else. That's, that's, nice. uh, that's kind of the ideal target client. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's really the, the other thing. I think subscriptions are also becoming part of this. You know, it's, you know, people are telling you that if you do a good job, they'll stay with you forever. You know. Well, I've been using that on Amazon, and there's a, that's an interesting thing that has evolved is now I get uh, toothbrushes and razors. I've got them on subscription at Amazon. Mm. They arrive, you know, you know, every 90 days I get a new timely. 
shipment of yeah exactly i get a new toothbrush every 90 days that shows up and a you know new batch of razors and even though they're stacking up right now because i've been kind of beard uh, <laughs> beard, beard friendly beard. here yeah yeah i've beard been bearded a lot for the last yeah year now yeah but yeah that that's all part of that convenience you know and having mm-hmm. that going deeper you know our even when we look at our breaks stuff would be after unit things which are about nurturing lifetime relationships with people and orchestrating <clears throat> referrals and so yeah you know i look at when you've got your reach there when you've got your sort of constituents or you know i look at tremendous job of that in terms of being my go-to retail, you know, for anything place, you know, I can literally just order up whatever I want to have it here the next morning. And so, you know, for them to be able to, I'll open that platform to other, to, you know, manufacturers and stuff, even though they do it in a kind of an evil way that they, you know, end up observing everything and the products that do well, they end up making them themselves and taking over for the other people. You've seen that again and again, but well, fortunately they're profitable and that keeps them, keeps their heads screwed on. Right. You know? Yeah. The thing that I, you know, I mean, the, you know, the evil predictions, the predictions of evil people, Mm -hmm. it's where they, aren't profitable and they, you know, they're selling their information about you to, to make money or to control, you know, to have power in that. You know, I mean, just to switch there for a moment, because that's one of the scares about how much other people know about you. And, Uh you know, I, I must not be a very interesting subject for them because, (laughs) you know, I don't have any filters to filter out ads or anything on my computer but i must be sort of stuck into a lifetime mode that doesn't really interest a lot of marketers because i don't get many ads and well and you're I, I, you are you're not in that 18 to 34 demographic that, that everybody covets that's a true statement what you just yeah. said there. i am not in that <laughs> <laughs> that's such a that's a very true statement. Yeah, <clears throat> and I just but, passed uh, out of even the sec the next one, the, the thirty five yeah, to fifty five. Yeah. I just turned fifty six, yeah. so that's a yeah. There you go, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's a you know it's an interesting thing, but uh, you know my main probably you know I'm entrenched in looking for interesting articles on the internet so you know i mean i mean i that's really my and now i'm i've really developed a love of youtube for their if i find somebody who's written something interesting i immediately check to see if they've done an interview and peter zion you know who is a favorite of mine he has just taken off like mad on YouTube. He's got wow. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you say Peter Zion, YouTube, Z E I H A N is his name. Zion, 
if you go to YouTube, he's got pages and a lot yeah. of them are very recent. You know, they're the mm-hmm. last month or last two months and yep. and uh, 2014 in one of his books. I think it was the accidental superpower. He predicted that in 2022, thereabouts 2022, Russia feeling desperate would invade Ukraine. <laughs> so, wow, <laughs> that's eight years ahead. That's a pretty good, you know. Yeah. That's a, 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 and then he explains why because they're they're losing population so quickly as a mm-hmm. country. They're not having babies, and and everybody who can leave leaves. So they they're faced with a lower and lower population. <clears throat> and then he sort of predicted that. This decade of the 20s, he said, this is when almost every country in the world starts losing population. Okay. And the, this would not be true of Canada, the UK, Australia, uh, United States, obviously, the United States, Canada. And, mm-hmm. and the reason is because they're, the favorite immigration countries in the world. You're going mm-hmm. to be somewhere else in the world and you want to go there. Five out of the top six are those British, you know, the British, British founded countries yes. and everything. Right. Cause they have rule of, they have rule of law and, you know, they're, they're reasonably, you know, reasonably peaceful and everything like that. So he talks about that, you know, he talks about, he said, but the rest of the world is deglobalizing because the supply chains now, because of what happened during COVID, uh, the U- U.S. will bring 80 percent of its supply chains back to North America, and it'll be in Mexico. You know, the lo- lower labor cost ones will be in Mexico, and they've got all the energy they could possibly ha- want. They have all the total food that they could want. There's some specialties that we need from other places, but generally pretty self-sufficient if you take the United States, Canada, and Mexico. It's a you know, big population, probably you know, clo- pushing with Mexico and Canada, probably you know, 450 million going towards a half a billion. But mm-hmm. other countries are losing population. Europe's losing population. Africa isn't, but they, you know, economically just aren't a rival. But China's losing that. It's the fastest. It's losing population the fastest in human history of any society. Is that right? I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 yeah they and where where the are Chinese they going? Themselves. No, they're not. The, they're, uh, the, the big five? They're old. Oh, they're I dying. see. Okay. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> And they've had that yeah. the no forty no year they have forty year one child, yeah. One so child, they don't yeah. have, yeah. So in by twenty fifty they'll have three old people for every one worker. You wow! Know, when they started their huge jump, they had six uh-huh. workers for every old person. So and so so you know. But these are interesting. Going back to Peter Zion, he's very contrarian. He was extraordinarily contrarian eight years ago, but the things that he's predicting are actually taking place and he's getting massive requests now to come and talk to industry conferences, military conferences, you know, financial conferences and everything, because everything that he's lined up 
is kind of people are checking it off and saying, you know, this guy uh, really has a formula for understanding what's taking place. Well, one of the things that's really happened is that, you know, generally speaking, you, me, and a lot of people, if it's going to require travel, it's really got to be really important. It's Mm got to be really important. And therefore, the Cloudlandia capabilities become increasingly more important. I'm noticing that's absolutely true, that I feel like I see it in my own life that the two worlds that become most important are my Cloudlandia world and my hyperlocal world. And just, you know, putting, you and I have talked about this, putting that little bubble or radius over where you actually, your footprint on the mainland, yeah. you know, as, as limited as it is. And um, I just went, and I think you've got your favorite places kind of thing on the thing. Like I've got a cafe that I go to here in Winter Haven called N plus one and N plus one coffee. And of course it's a fun thing. The formula N plus one is a, a old. Yeah. This thing. is that, a, a test of one, a test of one. Well, N plus one, one is the number of, uh, it's the biker, you know, the bicycle riders have determined the formula for the correct number of bikes to own is N plus one, N being the number of bikes that you currently own. And the ideal number is N plus one. <laughs> and that's what they say about the coffee. The, the proper number of coffees is N plus one, however many you've had, plus one. <laughs> yeah. And so it's an ever improving uh, number. But they've done a really yeah. interesting job. If you look at these if we overlay the VCR formula on that vision capability multiplied by reach, you know, they've got, they're doing some pretty interesting moves in that the coffee shop is within the building of the bike shop. They're the biggest bike shop in Winter Haven, but in the same building on one end of the building is the N plus one coffee shop which has a you know open <laughs> open transition like Barnes and Noble used to have Starbucks in the thing N plus one has the the bike shop has the N plus one in there and then within an N plus one there are they have a little bakery section that is all distributed by other local bakeries here that they don't mm-hmm. make anything or prepare anything there. They just have a little distribution center for it. And then all of the goods company that they've got little displays all through the cafe. What everything you see <laughs> in the cafe is also available to buy all the decor <laughs> that you see. So it's a really interesting use of their capability, their reach that they have combining with other, with other providers. And so mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing, you know, I just realized how I'm really conscious of those, those, that juxtaposition, the, 
Cloudlandia where everything is available, but then my local, my hyper-local uh, thing where the same principles kind of apply, but it's just on a local <clears throat> basis. And yeah. I, it, yeah, well, I think I, that's very true that because when we were locked down for two years, we began to prioritize things that are valuable and things that aren't valuable both during COVID and what was going to happen after COVID. And, you know, and I think there's an enormous shift that is going on that will not be measurable by normal measurements, you know, like like Mm -hmm. normal way in labor markets in you know, and moving from one place to another. Enormous amount of movement. Florida, where you live, is the recipient yeah. of people moving from high tax places or you know goofy regulation places. Yeah, and they're yep. moving moving to Florida and yeah. you know and bad weather places. You know, bad weather. People yeah. had two years of COVID lockdown with bad weather and mm-hmm. couldn't couldn't go south, couldn't go to a warm place, and but it kind of. They had a habit, but now they've got a value. Now they've got a priority and they've got a decision that I think has triggered a lot of behavior. Oh, just as a point of Toronto local interest, La Select is opening at the end of June oh, with new perfect. owners. Oh, great, yeah. great. In the same place? And if, yeah, yeah. And if they're smart, they won't change a thing because that's the whole point right. of French bistros. Yeah. But it's what about a big restaurant. No, Jacques is gone. Yeah, Jacques mm. is completely gone. Yeah, that's surprising and, that um, they couldn't have sold that as well because it's an institution, right? My yeah. feeling is that the owners were close to retirement and they yeah. just uh, they just sped it up, and uh-huh. you know, and, the kids and, weren't and the, they weren't going to get involved with over. that. And that, the thing was, they didn't have a you know the. It's not a great place for a restaurant because of the, no. you know they didn't have many they didn't have many seats. But what they right. had was an intensely loyal uh, yeah. client base based on the ownership. You know, it was intensely yeah. loyal. And if the owners aren't there, it's not a viable. That's not true for Les Select. Right. I mean, uh, no, Les Select has got a big space and, and a great uh, location. A, a, yeah. a great location. A, a, you know, it's a huge growth area as far as condos. Yeah. You know, they've just put in probably a thousand condos within a two yeah. block, you know, two block area of them. But if they're smart, they won't change very much, you know, because yeah. it, it was an incredibly f- good formula. It lasted for 40 years before yeah. COVID. And so, so I just wanted to. I'll sort it out, you know, I'll sort it out over the next month or so, table 10, you know, I'm just going to check right. the table 10 then, and, and, you know, if they re- renumber it, if they come up with another number, uh, numbering system, that's a minus mark for them, they should, right. they should keep they the numbering of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's so funny. I've got standards, you know, I've got standards. I know. Got, that's uh, my favorite. I always love <clears throat> And, you know, the funny thing is the menus, even the menus, like I, you know, to me, Le Select is the steak-free place for me. And Jock's was the, that shrimp. Omelet. Yeah. They had that omelet. Well, they had uh, the other thing. They were the omelet place. You had, yeah. 
you know, f- 15 different omelets. And the, uh-huh. that was really great. But I, I think 15, uh, just one for me. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the interesting thing about it. Oh, I wanted to tell you a story, you know, because we're we're moving into a sidebar here. But we stayed. We were in London four weeks ago, and we were in right on at Hamyard, which is one of the firm Firmdale, right off Piccadilly, and and so there's a Whole Foods, which is about a ten minute walk from a Hamyard. And there's a theater there. We went to see a musical. Uh, Babs loved it. I thought it was clever. I, I didn't really <clears throat> bang home with me called Moulin Rouge. I thought, you know, I thought it was sort of a clever uh-huh. play by Babs. I liked it. But they had a lot of modern music. It was, you know, it was a 1800s yeah. setting, but they had modern music like Elton John and Lady Gaga and Rihanna and things like that. None of which I recognize. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so so it didn't the the use of the songs to depict the uh, the depict the plot didn't really bring home with me because I I didn't get the punchline with most of them. But right. one of the things our concierge at the hotel we have a favorite concierge for twenty years when we go to London. He's a fantastic concierge. Named Sandro, he works at the Ham. You followed him to that hotel, right? Yeah, this this is the third hotel we followed him to. Yeah, we started mm-hmm. with one, moved to another, and then the third one. But he said you probably want to eat very close to the theater. So he said there's this cafe. I think it's called. It's called Zedel. Z e d e l. And I've seen it for, you know, I've passed by it and, it, you know, it kind of looked like a, you know, sort of that sort of thing. But I went there with Babs and you go in and then you go down two full flights into the ground and you get down there and there's this massive nightclub. There's a massive bar and an even more massive restaurant down there. Wow. And these, all three of them were built in the 1930s. And wow. this was the biggest hotel in the world that had over a thousand rooms. And, but gradually through redevelopment, the whole hotel part of it has been taken over by office buildings. Wow. Actually, Whole Foods is one of the office buildings. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the commercial. But they've kept the space down there, and they completely renovated it 10 years ago. So it's been there for 10 years. And it just, you go down there, and it's like you just discovered, you know, a secret underground world there. <laughs> I bet the restaurant can seat 250 people. Wow. Know, it's a really big restaurant. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's brasserie. It's, you know, it's a standard French sort of menu, you know, like. Comfort food, yeah. a lot of comfort right, food right. and everything like that. But I was so amazed at how London has so many attractions that something like this, which is really quite extraordinary, is kind of like something that you find out one day and it's been sitting there for 10 years. So anyway, oh, right. we, uh, that was a great treat because it's literally a 10-minute walk from your room, you know, when you're right. there. So we'll go back again and we'll go back there again. But the, wow. but this is a really good theme that we're on, this theme that you have Cloudlandia, which gives you global reach. And uh-huh. then you have your hyper-local 
your hyperlocal yeah. feeling. Yeah, I think that is, and that's really where I launched a new program for our real estate agents this past week. And the first module that I was talking about was getting referrals. And in that, you know, I had this, I've observed referrals for a very long time now and have observed like patterns of how and why the psychology of why people refer and who we refer. And, you know, it goes all the way back to Robin Dunbar, his work yep. in discovering that we really have the capacity to have 150 relationships. And that goes all the way back to the days that, you know, as long as we've been playing I've been calling it the cooperation game where somebody figured out that if we team up, we're going to be better off than being individuals out in the world alone. And mm -hmm. that there's so many things that go into this. You know, when we were tribal at, at that time, you know, that was part of the, the infrastructure that we would you know, develop into tribes of 150 people. And once it got beyond mm -hmm. that, it would split into, you know, into divergent tribes because in order to be safe and secure within the tribe, you had to know everybody. If I didn't recognize you, you're a threat to, you could be a threat yeah. to everything. You know? <clears throat> and that's mm -hmm. why that, that happened. And when you look at, that's our, why you had a tattoo on your face. Right. And when you look at our when you look at our society now, cities and the bigger, you know, the bigger places that we're gathering, we're just intermingled tribes playing a bigger cooperative cooperation game. Where we're it's amazing that even though we live in cities of, you know, a million or more people we're still, the individuals within that city are still part of thousands of 150 person tribes that are, yeah. you know, still kind of doing. And that's why I think about, you know, even in Winter Haven with 60,000 people, I mean, more in the winter, but 60,000 base population, even, I'm still very constrained to. Southeast Winter Haven, particularly, and you know my the places that I that means frequent. there's four hundred yeah. tribes. There's four hundred tribes in Winter Haven. There probably is. Yeah. Yeah. Four four hundred times one hundred and fifty. Yeah, and isn't that interesting yeah. that you know? So, and that's really the way that the the mainland kind of works. You know, is the People have these, their local, you know, their spot, their cafe and their mm -hmm. restaurants and their service providers and, you know, all these individuals that you need on a local basis to provide for the life that you live. You know, mm -hmm. like you, there's no, you know, we have the, the crew that comes and, cleans are out that 
cleaning somebody's house is mainland business. You can't digitize that. <laughs> and everybody, you know, mm-hmm. they, you know, have a limited number of, of clients as well. But what my, when I look at that, you know, the interesting thing that comes of it is because of that, when you, you know, I've been fascinated with local businesses as the thing that, that I've really paid attention to and developed, you know, marketing, you know, systems, programs, solutions for businesses that can be then, uh, you know, syndicated or duplicated all over in these local bubbles kind of thing, you know, it's really, it's just, I love kind of looking at how all of these things play together, you know, especially when you're using the Cloudlandia tools to reach a local, a local audience, yeah. you know, like if you just, <clears throat> even yeah, though the uh, whole world Joe, uh, Joe, he- Joe, he- uh, Joe Heinrich, Heinrich, Joe Henrich is a scientist who deals with that. He wrote a book and it's called The Secret of Our Success. And mm. it's the that we're the species that <clears throat> beat all the other species to a certain yeah. extent. Yeah. But we're the only species that takes care of other species. We're the only species that knows all the other species. You know, uh-huh. so, but he says that basically, probably his estimation is somewhere about a million years ago, a, you know, a ape-like mammal started to understand the principle that you mentioned, you know, it's really rough if you live life on your own, you know, uh-huh. or you're always outnumbered by enemies yeah. and everything like that. <clears throat> and he just talks about how we created culture and culture is the medium it's like the glue that holds people together and culture yeah. is constantly being created by you know shared experience and then naming the experience and then prioritizing right. the experience and you know and that you know <clears throat> there was a philosopher Wittgenstein mathematician and philosopher in 1930s or so <clears throat> and he had a really interesting short line, and he said the universe, the the entire universe is held together by family resemblance. And mm. what he said is uh, things that kind of look alike congregate. In other words, mm. that if there's something about something that you congregate, you know that you see something that looks familiar to you in a in a situation where there's a lot of things that look weird to you yeah. that you you, con- you congregate with the things that are resemble you they, there's a resonance that you feel and and I noticed it when I first came to Canada because when you're an American and you go to Canada it looks like America I mean the you know the people I was working with you know they're kind of like American they watch American TV but after a while you begin to realize there's like a 15% right. difference 15% difference on just about everything that Canadians do not look at things the way that Americans do. And I remember right. in my first year when I was at the advertising agency, there was this big conference and, you know, they had a social hour. So there'd probably be about 200 people at the party 
And I just noticed about 45 minutes in that I was part of a group of people in the room who were all Americans. In other words, Mm. there were about 20 people. Yeah. You know, but it was a Canadian conference. But every American American was here, had found each other in about 45, had found each other in about 45 minutes. And you just pick up on something, you know, there's like a radio, there's like a radio frequency that Americans give off that's different from the radio frequency that Canadians give off. That's interesting. Yeah. And I think your N plus one, uh, has a frequency to it that and the customers there have a frequency that they pick up with local bakery foods they're yeah. into biking they're into biking and yeah. so there's about five or six resonant touch points where they may be different in a lot of different ways but you share five or six fairly crucial you know something that you think is permanent part of your life and these people yeah. have the same thing so, you know, dog owners congregate, mothers with new babies congregate. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And the fact that you live in Southeast Winter Haven, geography, there's so many of yeah. these little things that, that go in together. You're absolutely right. Now, the people you know, how many do you know who are Florida born? Or, but most of the people that you know have come to Canada, Florida out of choice. Yeah, a lot of them. I mean, it's certainly, yeah. you know, most of Florida is that now. I mean, yeah. certainly. Yeah. And going forward, I think the next 20 years is going to be all of that. I mean, it's, you know, <clears throat> and I think there's, you know, we, we've talked about that. I look at it that this is, you know, Lee Iacocca's success formula of getting in front of the baby boomers was a a winning formula that is available right now in that we're at the phase where 10,000 people a day are turning 65 and that's going to be true for the next 11 years, you know? And so you look at that, that, you know, Florida's going to shine on that level, you know, because it's almost become, like mandatory military service that once you turn 65, you retire from the Northeast and you sell your big house and you head to the sun. And now I think we're seeing that you don't even have to wait. You know, you couple it with that. Now, even in your thirties and forties where you're in your peak career years that you would in the past be benefited by being within an hour of Manhattan or an hour of Chicago, because that's where all the opportunity is. But the fact that it's, I think it's even more predominant that distributed working is the new norm now. And that if you can have a job with one of the big companies headquartered in New York or Chicago or whatever, major center and you don't have to live within an hour of it you can live in florida why wouldn't you why wouldn't you yeah i mean yeah 
I think we're now in the depopulating of the cities. Yeah. Uh, so if you take the top 50 cities and you establish total population for the top 50 cities, we're now in a decade. We're at the end of the decade. The population of those 50 cities will be less fewer cities because people, for the exact reason, you know, we're noticing you know, with our own company, you know, we have a hundred, we have in Toronto, I'd say 90, we have 90 team members. And, yeah. and what, if what's you your look, policy now, are you, is it hundred percent in the office or are you? No, it's you everybody has to be, now? no, everybody has to be there on workshop days. So workshop you look at the calendar. Okay. Yeah. There's a workshop going on there. We're having clients and on those days, you have to be in the office. And that works out to, you know, on average, probably about three days a week. So two days yeah. a week, they can, they don't have to, they don't have to okay. come in. Okay. Yeah. And I would say that we're not unusual in that respect, you know, and I think yeah. the big corporations downtown, <clears throat> you know, the, <clears throat> You know, the, right in the city center, Bay Street, Bay and Queen, Bay and King. <clears throat> I would, they got, I bet they've got a lot of empty floors in those buildings. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and it kind of, there's going to be some inventive people who, you know, who come up with ideas for what do you do to utilize the empty space in big 50, 60 story high rises, you know, the, Mm-hmm. I raise office buildings. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, so it'll be interesting. There's going to be a lot of inventiveness. You know, mm-hmm. probably you'll start seeing some actual light factories in places like that. You you mentioned that. I went last week, I went over to the mall here yeah. after in the afternoon after we had spoken. And, you know, I would say that it is 50% empty. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I mean, fifty percent vacancy. Yeah, in there. So there's so much. You know, you've still got some of the anchor things there, but there's so much, so many vacancies. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, and I mean, and there's some, you know, there's some outstanding qualities about yeah. that ball yeah. space. I mean, I mean, if it's fifty years old, maybe it's, you know, it's a candidate for teardown. No, I, think but peak, it, I think peak mall was. You know the '80s and early '90s was peak yeah, so, mall time, right? So yeah, but all, they've been kept up. Yeah. They've been yeah. kept up. They've got a ton of parking space. I mean, the one yes. thing that they have is the parking space, and they've got a tremendous amount of loading docks underground. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and my, my sense is that you could put light manufacturing in some yeah. of those places. And yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, and you know, you could the trucks already arrived. They go underneath. The the trucks can still still go. And uh, you know, I think that just like what really made Toronto, if you go back to the probably eighties, I think probably nineteen. June Hall was the she. I think she was the last mayor of Toronto before amalgamation. Before we went to GTA when the whole city went to the greater Toronto right. and she took a look at all those empty 
old factory buildings, you know, that they were clothing buildings on Spadina Avenue, but warehouse yeah. space. And she passed the law, the zoning law, that you could use them for retail, you could use them for business, you could use them for residences, you could use them for, yeah. you know, uh, restaurants, you could use them for clubs, but you could use a old warehouse yeah. uh, for anything. And they're fantastic. And they're Stylish, well, that's you know, what they're, uh, they're all made Liberty of Village, brick. where you guys are. That's yeah, that was a big beneficiary yeah. of that, right? Well, you have the furniture, yeah. the thing that's called the furniture company. It was a big carpet factory, mm-hmm. the furniture, and these were big industrial warehouses. And then mm-hmm. you know and they went out of style. That's not where you had them in the city, and there were big empty spaces. But ours was a Sear Tire Warehouse. Oh, is that right? Where we have our offices, yeah, Sears and Robot Fed. How long have you been in those offices? Thirty years. Yeah, thirty-one. So we'll on Labor Day will be thirty-one years there. Wow. And, yeah, <laughs> and the only we're the only and we're tenants because these guys don't sell. You know the guys who are in that building, and we like yeah. the building, and everybody knows where to go. And but the, the, only two tenants made it through the COVID. The jazz station is on the back of the building. Ninety-one point one. The jazz station is. There. Oh, I didn't and, know they were there. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And Strategic Coach. We're the only two tenants. I mean, they had probably they because they've amalgamated three buildings into mm. one unit, so you can actually get to three buildings. And they probably had, I would say. 35 other tenants with 2,000 square foot, you know, places, and none of them made it through the COVID. Wow. Have you taken over more space in there? No, we don't need it. We don't need it because our expansion is going to be a lot through Zoom. Yeah, right. So we, and uh, yeah, I mean, right now we're 25% virtual now, so we've gone Mm -hmm. from you know, in the course of, and it'll keep going up every year, the amount yeah, of right. virtual. And, and so anyway, it's, it's great. It's really great. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I've got to jump. I have okay. A, this has have, been amazing. Yeah. Have, uh, yeah. Yeah. We covered that ground, but just to go back, I, uh, you know, I sort of started off with the thought that Cloudlandia is now getting real serious about making mm-hmm. some serious money. And it's not, you know, it's not a craze. It's not a hype or anything else. And it's now real, real serious. And you're going to see some real fundamentally new and different kinds of business arrangements that have lasting, you know, that are lasting models. So anyway, it's okay. very interesting. Yeah. Well, I always enjoy these conversations. So I'll talk to you next time. Okay. Okay, bye. Bye.